0: Well, good morning, church family. Uh, Want to welcome you to another Sunday. It's gonna be a great day. Last week, I was touring the Holy Land with uh, 34 other Timber Creekers and walking where Jesus walked, and we got home on Wednesday, March 8th, and the very next day, my middle school son, Graham, and I, along with uh, about 70 other students, we got on a different plane, and now I was walking where Jesus walked, and now I'm walking where George Washington walked. I'm in Washington, D.C. this weekend with my son on his middle school spring break trip trip and going to enjoy just hanging out with another 70 middle schoolers. It's, Pray, just pray for me, please. Pray, pray right now. No, I'm kidding. I love being able to spend time with my son and his friends. Uh, Last week, we wrapped up No Regurts. And if you missed any of those messages, I encourage you to go back and check them out on the app or online at TimberCreekChurch.com. Also, next week, I'll be back and we are going to be launching our one-year anniversary for our vision initiatives we're calling All In where we are all about multiplying leaders, multiplying locations, expanding the kingdom of God, and we're gonna have some very cool updates of what God did last year as we all go all in for his kingdom come, his will be done but also we're going to be hearing about where we're headed next. Uh, As we move to become 100 years old as a church, we're gonna be the oldest we've ever been, but I believe God's called us to be the most fertile we've ever been as we multiply leaders and multiply locations. In the meantime, in the in-between, it is my privilege to introduce to you, not for the first time at Timber Creek, uh, but for the second time, and now uh, I've invited them to be a part of our teaching team this year. They are the lead pastor of a catalytic church, a church that is busting at the seams, growing exponentially in the sprawl of DFW, in particular, Mansfield, Texas. More church is multiplying their locations. They are seeing hundreds and thousands saved and set free. And uh, Trustin and his wife planted this church several years ago, and they are just on an unbelievable God-sized Trajectory. I've invited Trustin to be part of our teaching team at Timber Creek. He's going to teach and help share some of the preaching this year two or three different times throughout the year. So, this is the first at bat in 2023. Timber Creek Church, all of our locations, Dyball, Duncan, Nacogdoches, Groves, Iglesia, and online and right here at Broadcast, will you give the best? Timber Creek, welcome to Pastor Trustin Baba.
1: Oh yeah, Tim McCreep, what's up everybody? Feeling good? Oh man, I like this second service. Y'all are awake, y'all are with me. Feeling good. Man, I am pumped and honored to be here. I love this church. You guys are doing incredible things. Mostly, I love your pastor, Jeremy and Janet. Come on, put your hands together. First lady on the front row. Man, I love your pastors. You guys really have a unique leadership team here, and I want you to be grateful for it. God's doing something unique here. What he's doing at Timber Creek isn't just about this area, it's about his kingdom. That people are being reached all over the globe because of y'all, because of your faithfulness, because of everything you guys do. I also have my friend Cameron and Kelsey on staff. Come on, oh, just Kelsey, camera's out working this service. All right, yeah, they gotta have him working. So, uh, love them. Then I got my boy Dan over in Nacogdoches. Come on, make some noise for Nac. What's up, Nac? <laughs> Dude, y'all got a beautiful facility. I was over there and spoke at the men's conference not too long ago, and uh, I got introduced uh, to a cowboy meatball. I I never heard cowboy meatball. It's like a meatball. It weighs like two pounds. And then I I got to see you guys have a tractor pull a tractor pull. It was not two tractors. It was one tractor versus a bunch of dudes. It was the craziest thing I ever saw in my whole life. I loved it. I had so much fun. I haven't got to see uh, the Grove campus yet. Come on, put your hands together for a new campus, reaching more people for Jesus. Man, can't wait to see that. And then um, the prison campuses. Guys, do you understand what kind of impact that is? I I don't know if you do. The guy that I work out with every morning, Every morning, I work out with this guy. Well, five five days a week. Don't get me lying. He's helped me lose 30 pounds. Come on, somebody. He's helped me. He, he was in a state penitentiary for six years, locked up, was supposed to be there for a long time, but he watched, I want to say this church, not this church. He watched another church that has a prison ministry, but he got saved in prison, turned his whole life around, got out, opened a gym. God's doing incredible things with his life. And so for you guys that are locked up right now, hey, God has more for you. God has more for you. There's a group of thousands of people here that believe in you and love y'all and know that God has more. And so, man, I'm just honored to be here and hang out uh, with you guys today as I partner with everything that God's doing in this church for his kingdom. Everyone say kingdom. kingdom. That's what we're about, right? We're about the kingdom of God. This is not about us building our kingdom, but building God's kingdom. In Mansfield, Texas, we're just south of Arlington, Texas, uh, I have the privilege of being the pastor of Moore Church. And there we're doing our best to reach people and expand God's kingdom. I came alone this time, but here's a picture of my beautiful wife and my kids. There's Rachel, uh, and we'll say, aww, and uh, Lillian and Titus. And so they're back holding the fort down uh, back at Moore Church today. They'll come with me next time. But man, we're so honored to be a part of what God's doing here, partnering together in kingdom work. You know, all throughout the Bible, There is this imagery of the kingdom, of how God is the king of his kingdom. And you know what a church really is? A church is just a a colony of heaven on earth. God's goal is to colonize earth with heaven, that we're just an expansion location of what he's doing in heaven, and he's doing that all while seated on the throne, He's seated on the throne. Now, I don't know what God's throne in heaven looks like. This one, I'm sure, has been at a number of quinceañeras. You know what I'm talking about? And so, (laughs) I'm sure that's where this one's been. But the Bible says that God rules his kingdom from the throne. Let me read it to you what the book of Psalms says. Psalms 103, verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over a couple things. Come on, somebody, y'all gotta talk to me. No, but it says his kingdom rules over what? That his kingdom rules over all. So from seated on the throne, God rules over all. Psalms 11, verse four. It says the Lord is in his holy temple and the Lord is on his heavenly throne. Can you see it? Can you see God all up there, all big and mighty and powerful with a crown and a scepter in his hand and a big old robe, and he's sitting on the throne in heaven. Isaiah 66, verse one. It says this is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. There's this imagery of God seated on the throne of heaven. But do you know what we love to do? We love to sit on the throne. We love to position ourselves in the place of power. We love to position ourselves in the place of ready control where we're in charge, and we're smart, and we've got it all figured out. And you know what we do a lot of times? We look at God on the throne. We say, hey God, I know that you're like big and mighty and powerful and stuff, but hey, could you do me a favor and just scooch? Come on, God, come on. God, I know, I'm gonna trust you with my salvation. I'm gonna trust you with my kids, but God, when it comes to my finances, when it comes to my next step in my business, when it comes to this relationship, that I, God, would you would you just go ahead and, and get off the throne? Because I want to go ahead and have a seat on the throne. Now I don't know about you, but I do this. I find myself trying to take God's seat often, and I say stuff to God like this. I say, "Hey God, I, I'm a professional. <laughs> God, I've been in this industry for 20 years." I know what to do. People come to me for advice, God, and so I think that I have all the answers and I know all the steps, and so God, could you just scooch out of my way for just, just a second? I say, God, I know that you are omnipotent. You know, omnipotent means that God's all-powerful. I know that you hung the stars in the heaven with your voice, but I think that my power will suffice to get me through this situation. So God, would you just kind of move out of my way? I say, God, I know that you're omnipresent. I know that you're everywhere. God, I know that you existed in the past and in the future at the same time. I know that nothing is without your reach, but God, would you just move for me? God, I know that you're omniscient. I know that you know it all, but God, I know a lot. And so God, would you go ahead and, and, and get off of the throne I know y'all do it too, even if you don't amen me, I know y'all be doing it too. Do you know the reason that we get so stressed out, so overwhelmed? It's because we sit in his seat over our lives. It's because we position ourselves as being the king of our life, and then all that stress is on us. You know the reason that you get an ulcer? It's not just from eating too much hot sauce. Come on, somebody. It's because you're not navigating your stress well. But you're not navigating your stress well because you're positioning yourself on his throne. The reason that you gained all the weight and had to get the trainer and had to lose the LBs is because you were just looking for a way to feel good about everything bad going on in your life. And so you just, you just got on the throne. You said, Hey God, I'm gonna take control of this area in my life. Would you would you go ahead and, and get off the throne? You know why? You know why we should let God sit on the throne? Beyond all the like omnis, omnipresent, omnipresent all the stuff. But besides him being powerful, you know why we should let God stay on the throne? Because he loves us so much. Come on, that's a good place to amen. Because he, he loves us so much because the king of the universe, he, he loves us. He knows the number of hairs on our head. And look, your screens are so good, I see all the ones I'm losing. Man, I'll just, I just stay this way. He knows the number of hairs on our head, whether we're losing them or gaining them. He knows it. He cares about us and he loves us. The Bible says that he bankrupted heaven for us. He allowed the prince of his kingdom to be murdered so that we could be restored in a relationship with him. He loves us. So we should let him stay on the throne instead of trying to boot him off of the thing. And so we have to make one of the hardest choices in life get off the throne get off of the seat of power and of control. But to get off the throne, we have to wrestle with a really big question. We have to ask ourselves, do we view Jesus as our Savior or our Lord? There's a difference between Savior and Lord. There's a major difference. If your house was on fire, and a firefighter came in and kicked the door in and grabbed you and drug you out into the front yard and saved your life, he would be your savior. But the minute that fire truck drives away, he has no more authority over your life. That firefighter is not gonna teach you how to raise your kids. He's not gonna talk to you about how to navigate the conversation with your spouse. He's not gonna talk to you about balancing your finances. Why? Because he was your savior, not your Lord. And I think for a lot of us that proclaim to be Christians, we only view Jesus as Savior, firefighter, save me from hell, but we don't actually allow Him to sit on the throne of our life. Is He really your Lord? Is He really uh, in a position that you have given Him authority over the decisions that you make? Or are you still on the throne? I know for me, there's been times that I've asked God to scoot us out of the way so that that I could be on the throne. It's hard, man. Because we love being in power, don't we? We love being in control. Because from the throne, we're in charge. You know, whoever sits on the throne is mighty. Their word travels. Nothing can stop their leadership. And we want so desperately to be in power of our lives. We want so desperately to be in control of everything that's happening, but if there's anything we've learned over the last couple years, it's that we aren't in control as, as much as we'd like to pretend we are. You know, 2022, for me, personally, was the hardest year of my whole life. Um, on the heels of COVID and everything that happened in 2020 and 2021, something for me just hit different last year. And it felt like just everything in my life started to, to fall apart. There's a couple different things that, that happened. We, uh, Rachel and I experienced some ministry hurt. You know, as pastors, we can show up smiling on Sunday, but that doesn't mean we weren't crying on Saturday. Am I telling the truth? You need to pray for your pastors because there's a lot of stuff that happens that everybody doesn't know about. So we had some staff transitions that, man, hurt our hearts. We had some ministry hurt. You ever been hurt by somebody? You know, like they didn't stab you in the back. They came like straight for the chest like, gah, like we had some of those like, what, dude? I thought we were in relationship and we had some real hurt. And then in 2022, something I had been working on for a while, it fell all the way apart. So at Moore Church, uh, God's been doing some incredible things. We've been reaching people and growing. And uh, we were running four Sunday morning services. So our auditorium at that time only sat about 300 people. And we were doing four services, 8, 30, 10, 11, 30, and one. And we were preaching all of them. They are all the same. Dude, I was dying. And we were out of space. We had people standing in the lobby and in classrooms, and it, there was just no room. And so... We bought 36 acres of land, a beautiful piece of property right off the freeway in our city. It was going to be incredible. Uh, And while we were there, we started all the plans for the architecture and meeting with the city and zoning changes and all that stuff. And the city told us that they actually wanted that property that we had. And we were like, well, it's not for sale. Like, we bought it to build a church. I'm not a land developer. I'm not just in this for the profit. I need a location to put a church. And they said, well, we'll tell you what, we'll trade you 36 acres for 46 acres. It's like, oh, that's 10 acres, okay. It's off the freeway, right across the freeway. And they said, we're also going to give you a whole bunch of infrastructure. We're going to put in all the roads and all the pipes and all the stuff on the ground. And we're going to give you another $3 million. We bought the property for 1.5. And so I'm like, dude, this is a slam dunk. This has got to be it. And so we worked on it for eight months. And uh, the whole land swap deal, it went before city council. And city council voted unanimously yes. And so it's done. This is a done deal. I'm so excited. This is about to be right. This is about to be good. But since it's on city council, it's now public record. So it's time for me to tell the church. You know, As a pastor, we have to make sure when to start telling information because you don't want to say stuff too early. But it's official. Everybody voted yes. So I get up and I tell the church, here's what's happening. Look at what God did. Well, some people uh, in the city who really wanted that piece of property, they took my sermon and they cut a bunch of clips. You know how people do. They cut a bunch of clips and they put them together and they started posting around town. And within one month, city council that voted unanimously yes, one month later voted unanimously no. I've already told the church, you want to talk about embarrassing? You want to talk about having a hard time to come into your church on a Sunday with a black eye and it started to beat me up, like internally bad. You start to question yourself as a leader. You start to question yourself, did I, did I hear from God? And, and it really started to send me into a, into a dark place and then out of that, people start leaving the church. Like we've just survived COVID, you know, and people start leaving the church. We were doing the four services And we knew it was gonna take us a while to build the next building. And so we felt like the Lord told us to go back to set up and tear down. And so now every Sunday we rent a 1200 seat auditorium and we have service at a rental facility. We have four 40 foot long trailers that every week we unload all the LED and all the thing and my podium and all the kids stuff and carpet for the kids to plant. We unload all this junk every single Sunday. And it's hard. And with this bad news and eight wasted months, some people just couldn't hold on any longer. They started to leave the church. And I start falling apart. And so I call a couple friends. Your pastor was one of them. And I told Jeremy the story of what was going on in my life and in the church. And I said, man, I I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I could keep doing this. And he said, wait a second. Before you make any major decisions, you need to take a sabbatical. You need to take some time off. I said, no, dude, you don't understand. I have to go to work. I have to kick like 30 people's butts. I have to go to city council and start kicking doors in. You know? He said, no, you don't. You need, to, you need to step back and relax for a minute. And so I submitted to that wisdom and I took some time off. And while I was away praying, I was really complaining to God. You ever do that? He's big enough to handle it, by the way. You can yell at him all you want. He, he's tough. And so I'm mad at God a little bit and I'm complaining, I'm confused, and I'm mad at myself, I'm calling myself a loser, all the things. And while I'm praying, I'm expecting for God to give me a word of encouragement. But you know what he told me? He said, hey, Trustin, would you get out of my chair? Would you get off the throne of your own life? Said, God's funny because he doesn't often tell you what you wanna hear, but he tells you what you need to hear. He says, when you get off the throne, because trust him, heavy is the head that wears the crown. And he reminded me that more church is not my church, it's his. Right? He he reminded me that all of the stress and all this pressure and this whole thing that just drove into the ditch, maybe it all happened because I was the guy on the throne working the deals. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. And in the same way that it's not my church, it's not your business. They're not even your kids. Like, they're your kids. Pick them up after service, right? They're your your kids. But God loves them more than you do, you know? It's not your money, it's his. Everything good comes from above. And he reminded me, trust and get off of my throne. You're stressed out and overwhelmed and beating yourself up because you're sitting in my seat. And so I'm like, okay, God, if I'm not supposed to sit on the throne, then where do I go? Where where am I supposed to be? If we're not on the throne, then where are we? If we're not on the throne, we need to understand where we're supposed to be sitting. (laughs) We need to understand where we need to position ourselves. This feels kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, this one feels way better. I feel way more powerful here. But God said, trust me. I need you to get off of the throne. Look what the Bible says. It says this in James chapter 4, verse 10. Humble yourself. <sighs> I don't even want to read it. (laughs) Humble yourself before the Lord. And then he's going to lift you up. When you're faced with a problem, which seat do you pick? When you're faced with a difficulty, a dilemma, uh, something that's stressing you out, which seat do you run to? The seat of I've got all the answers I'm in control, I have the power, my plan is best. Or do you position yourself in a seat of humility under the Lord? Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23. Pride ends in humiliation. Ever been humiliated? It ends in humiliation. While humility brings honor. Luke fourteen, eleven: Jesus said, For all those who exalt themselves, they will be humbled. But those who humble themselves, they will be exalted. What if the seat that we're supposed to sit in isn't this one, but this one? What if what we're really meant to be is just a son of the king? What if we're just a servant of the king? What if we're just a student of the king? A steward of the king? Someone who's responsible for what he's given us. I'm not the general. I'm just a soldier of the king. Soldiers only get in battles that the general tells them to get in. But I was fighting fights. He never gave me permission to fight. And then when I walk off the field bleeding and limping and wondering why, it's because he didn't even tell me to go fight that fight. We have to get off the throne and position ourselves in the right chair but we want power over our problems, don't we? I don't want to be small and weak and little. I want to be mighty. And I think we come by it honestly. I know I did. I grew up, I'm a child of the 80s. And so I grew up watching all of the action heroes. I grew up watching men of power. And as I watched it, it started to shift my psyche about how I perceived myself. Let me tell you who I'm talking about. I grew up watching every Rambo movie that ever came out. Telling y'all as a kid, I was tying like ribbons around my head and like throwing stuff like exploding bone arrow. Like dude, I was in it to win it. And I grew up not only watching Rambo, but his, uh, his twin brother, Rocky come on, somebody. I grew up watching Rocky beating Ivan Drago, right? And so I was, right? And so I grew up and, and, and I saw this man who was small, still have power and do something incredible. Then I saw the predator. Good God, on right? And so I saw Arnold defeat a alien hunter and he won with, covered himself with mud and a bowie knife. And I was like, that dude's the man I grew up watching this. Then I got a little older and I saw Tombstone. You ever seen Tombstone? So Tombstone, you gonna do something or just stand there and bleed, right? It's like the greatest, it's the greatest scene ever. And so I'm like, this, that's me and that's city council and this you know, this is how I'm gonna handle this situation. I, I, saw, I saw John McClane, right? Die Hard, the greatest Christmas movie of all history. And so I'm watching John McClane, one guy, conquer an entire group of bad guys and get back with his wife and he's the hero and he shoots the bad guy and I'm like, this is incredible. Then, then I get a little older and I sing King Leonidas at his 300, conquer the Persian Empire. This is Sparta, right? And I'm like, this is who I'm supposed to be. This is what it is. I think the first time that this story of power started to get into my psyche is I was little at home watching television and I saw Hulk Hogan pick up Andre the Giant and body slam him to become the international champ, brother, right? And so I I saw this guy who he only ever ate vitamins, and he looked like that, and I was like, if I just take my vitamins, my Care Bear vitamins, this is what I'm gonna turn into, right? (laughs) And so deep in my psyche was this thing that I had to be powerful. But then I go to church and I go to church and I hear this story about David and David fights Goliath, the giant. And one little guy had enough power to kill the giant. And I'm watching the stories in parallel, but my theology is not yet mature enough to understand what I need to be learning. Then I see the story of Joshua walking around the walls of Jericho, an impenetrable fortress that was conquered through one man's leadership. And then I hear the story of Gideon. And Gideon, even though he's the smallest and the weakest in his clan, he's able to conquer an army much bigger than his. And then the story of Moses, the stuttering slave, who's able to free his people and lead them into the promise that God has for him. And I started to think that if I'm powerful, I will find victory. If I never show weakness, I'll succeed. If I can do it and fight it and lead it, I'm gonna get the thing that I need. So I grew up and as I got older, I started getting into powerlifting. I really enjoyed the sport and it's kind of how I lived my life. If I could just grab the bar and not lose my grip and drive through my legs hard enough, I would find success. And I was just deadlifting through my life. And then 2022 happened. And for the first time, I grabbed onto a bar that I couldn't move with all my strength and all my might. I just couldn't get the thing to budge and it felt like my arms were ripping off my body as I tried to pull. And God said, hey, Trustin, you've put your own power on the throne. You've put your ability to get it done on the throne and I need you to learn something. That's humbling. It's humbling to find success your whole life in one way and when that one thing stops working, you stop understanding what's wrong with me. But look what the Bible says, Ephesians chapter three verse 20. So good. Now to him, God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we might ask or imagine. Listen, according to His power, whose power? His, his power that is at work within us. It's not my power. It's not your power. It's his power at work within us. But his power is only able to be at work within us if we'll take our power off the throne. If we take our ability and our knowledge off the throne. So the question is, do you need to get off the throne? (laughs) Awkward silences are tough. Do do you have an area that you need to get off? The, I just told you my story, but do you have one? Do you have a situation, a circumstance, a dilemma that you are firmly seated in control? You need to get off the throne, or maybe you know what we do is we be uh, we be trying to slide on a cheek, you know. <laughs> Like, just sliding on a cheek. Like, hey, God, hey, hey, what's up, God? You doing okay? All right, stay there. But hey, let me just tell you a couple things you might not already know. Let me give you some tips, some pointers, some advice. Here's how I think you should do it, God. Are you sliding a cheek onto the throne? We have to ask ourselves, is he only our savior or are we allowing him to be Lord? And understanding that he knows stuff that, that we don't know. You know what God told me? and he wants to tell you, is that no one can dethrone God except you. No one can dethrone God. The devil cannot dethrone God. The devil can get all of his demons, get them all right. yeah, right? Y'all be doing some fine arts up in here, yeah, right? <laughs> he can get all of his demons, they can get a little plan together, and they can go and try to charge heaven, and God's gonna be like, and they're just, no one can dethrone God except one person in my life, me. I can say, hey God, I got this. Go on, scooch yourself. Let me be in charge. We have to ask ourselves, are we dethroning God? Are we pushing him out of the picture and trusting our own power? But it's not just our power that positions itself on the throne. It's also our plan, If you're taking notes, you always know the pastor's points if they all start with P's. The pastor's points always start with P's. Power and plan. It's really easy to put our plan on the throne. How we think things should go, how they're going to work out. But look what the Bible says. It's so good. Y'all, the Bible is so good. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. God says, my thoughts ain't nothing like your thoughts. That's how they say it in Lufkin, right? (laughs) My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways, my plans, are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. His perspective is so much higher than ours, y'all. If I could, I would uh, climb up on top of this LED wall, but if I did, I would probably uh, owe y'all a LED wall. I'd probably exceed the weight capacity. And so I would climb up there and I'd say, look, this is God's perspective. And we're down here and this is our perspective. And the problem with us making the plan is our plan was formed in our perspective. And our perspective isn't as good as God's. God's ways aren't like our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We're down here playing checkers. You ever played checkers? You ever played checkers? Checkers is an easy game, right? You're just one, two teams, and you know I can go to the right, to the left, to the left, to the right. It's real easy, right? King me! But God's up in heaven playing multidimensional chess throughout all of history. He's got like 39 chess boards. He's got some in the past and some in the future, and he's moving pieces and moving relationships in and moving relationships out, and he's doing stuff that we can't even comprehend. But we wanna trust our checker plan and not his multi-dimensional chess plan for our lives. And we get on the throne. God, I don't wanna listen to your plan because I know what's gonna happen in 2024. We don't know Jack. We don't know Jack and when we can admit that we don't know as much as we think that we do, we can start to follow his plan. Our lives because I think the Bible says something about how He has a plan to prosper us and not to harm us. He has plans to give us a hope and a future. Come on, you know, you got Jeremiah 29 11 on your grandma's knit pillow. Like, we we know the verse, but do we know the verse that His plan is greater than our plan? Now, some of y'all about to walk out of here with a level of peace that you've never had before. If you can just stick with me in this idea, to get off the throne you can't have to know everything. I don't think it's good English, but it's good preaching. You can't have to know everything. We can't have to know every next step. What I've learned about God is that his plan is generally totally different than my plan. But we want to know how it's gonna work or we wanna know the eight steps. But here's how God speaks to me is he just gives me the next right step. I want a dozen, but he says, hey, trust him today, take the next right step. Take the next right step. And if we're waiting to know how step 39 looks, we're gonna be unwilling to take step one. You can't have to know everything. Just believe what he said. His word is true. He's powerful and he loves you. And if he tells you to do something or not do something, you've got to trust what he's saying. If you want the peace that surpasses understanding, you have to give up your priority of understanding every step of his plan. Good God, that was a good sentence. It was long. If you want to have the peace that surpasses understanding, you have to give up the priority of knowing every step in his plan. We can't know every step. We're not smart enough. We can't see it. If he told you what he had for you in 2030, it would scare you to death. He can't tell you yet. He's just gotta get you there. He's just gotta get you there. He's just gotta get you there. The only way to get there is to get off the throne and to follow the next right step. Psalms 115 verse three is one of my favorite verses. It says this, our God is in heaven and he does as he pleases. Our God is in heaven, he does as he pleases. I have this image of God up in heaven with a real tight T-shirt on. He's built like Arnold, right? And he's up there and his T-shirt says, mi amo el jefe. That means I'm the boss. I'm the boss. I'm up in here. I do whatever the junk I wanna do. I'm God and can't, nobody say nothing about it. And we have to remember that he's in heaven and he does as he pleases. And his plan is to prosper us and to help us. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. No eye has seen or ear has heard or mind has imagined what God has prepared, planned for those who love him. Your plan pales in comparison to God's plan for you because nobody has his perspective. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Oh, it's so good. It's talking about this life. It says, for now, we see through a glass darkly. I'm like John Cena. We see through a glass darkly then in heaven we're gonna see him face to face. But now I know in part, then I shall know fully. Here's what it means, it's kinda wordy. Right now we see through a glass darkly. We have these blinders on, we can only see a little bit. In heaven we're gonna see it all, we're gonna understand it all. But right now we can just see a little, but he can see fully. If you were blind, you would not walk as confidently as you do now we can't even see right now, y'all. So we have to trust the Lord of our lives to follow the steps in the direction that he has for us. But we have to be willing to take our plan off the throne. But it's hard. So as I was on sabbatical, I got a song in my heart. Uh, Maybe y'all know it. It's by a group called 38 Special. And they say, Hold on loosely, but don't let go. Because if you cling too tightly, baby, you're gonna lose control. Hold on loosely. Hold on loosely to the power that God gave you power. He did. Hold on to it loosely. He gave you a plan. He did. He needs you to think through steps, but hold on to it loosely. Because if you cling too tightly to your power or your plan, you're gonna end up losing control. We have to just hold on loosely. And so we can put our power on the throne. We can put our plan on the throne. You know what else? We can put our picture on the throne, our image. Y'all know uh, you be lying on Instagram with all them filters. Y'all know you be lying. You put your picture on the throne. I met a lady in the lobby at our church the other week. She's like, Pastor, we're friends on Facebook. I was like, you don't look like your photo. I don't know who you are, lady. Some of y'all are tricky. We're so concerned with our picture. We're so concerned with our image that God's not in charge. We're spending money to impress people. We're driving a car for an image. We're taking vacation, not even because we love our spouse, but so we can flex on our sister. I'm preaching now. People they, they ain't just saying no, nothing. that. We put our picture on the throne and our image of what people see of us is really the most important. We can put our preferences on the throne. Our preference, You know what preference is? What's most comfortable? We put our comfort on the throne of our life and it makes us unwilling to do anything uncomfortable. And as I read the Bible, everybody who God called to do something, he called them to do something, guess what? Uncomfortable. So we have to take our preference off the throne. You know, as a pastor, one of the um, hardest things is to get people engaged with the vision of the church and not just attend the church, but serve You know, every one of you have gifts, talents, and abilities that God wants to use for his kingdom. But do you know why we don't sign up? Our preference. You know why you didn't sign up to be on the usher team that one time you kind of wanted to? Preference. You know the reason that you just drop your kids off but never serve over there? Preference. Well, because I don't know which service I want to go to. I might go to this one. I might go to that. I might not come at all. Well, what if I want to take a vacation in July? I don't want to sign up to be serving in kids because what if I want to take a vacation? Email them and tell me you can't work that week. Our preference being on the throne can really shift everything that God has for us. You know what else we can put on the throne? Our protection. We put our protection on the throne because I'm safe here. And if you grew up, I wish my wife was here. She would preach this point. Because if you grew up in a traumatic situation, safety becomes really important. And so we work so hard, we put our protection on the throne and we're not gonna leave it. I'm gonna build my little safe bubble and this is where I'm gonna sit and this is the only thing I feel comfortable with and we allow our anxiety to be on the throne. And it takes over and it hinders us from what God really wants to do in our lives. Pastor, can I borrow that little bag you've got on the floor right there? Yeah, that little bag. I don't know, can I come over here? Am I gonna walk out of the camera shop? Can I borrow this? Okay. You know what else we can put on the throne? Our purse. We can put our purse on the throne. I'm glad that you have pastors that don't put their purse on the throne, that you have a generous church that gives. You know how much money it costs to do all these other campuses? A lot. But it's because Pastor Jeremy understands that it's not just about keeping resources for him and here, but about expanding God's kingdom. But let me ask about you. Is your purse on the throne? Is your pocketbook on the throne? Is your paycheck on the throne? God, I love you, Lord. Lift your name on high. But I'm not going to tithe because I don't really trust you. Is your purse on the throne? We have to really ask these questions because it can be so easy to make the money the main thing. We get a crown and we put a crown on the purse. We put a crown on our bank account and that's the priority. And then every decision of our whole life is based off of the Benjamins. Hey, guess what? It's not all about the Benjamins, baby. We have to be obedient to what God is calling us to do. And as y'all get ready to step into this all in, talking about what the church is doing and the next steps, the only way that can happen is if you're all in. (laughs) Is if you'll say, hey God, everything I have is yours. Not just my salvation, but you're my Lord. And so God, I wanna take the purse off the throne. We can put people on the throne We'd be so concerned about our mom's opinion that we don't step into the thing that God's telling us to do. You, wait, you're not gonna start the business because your mom thinks you might not do a good job? Come on now. Listen to God's voice. We have to take people off the throne or we can put our past on the throne. Shame. Well, pastor, I know you talked about being on the usher team, but I don't think they want me because you don't know who I used to be. That's okay. God does. And He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross so you could be made new. And this is a church where you don't have to be perfect to be involved. Am I preaching the truth? You you don't have to have it all together. You, You know, the prodigal son before he came back to the Father? He was covered in slob and mess, and the Father still embraced him. Don't let your past be on the throne. Our power, our plan, our past, other people, the purse, our preference the throne gets cluttered with all of this junk. But look what the Bible says. Last verse, Isaiah 14, 24. The Lord of heaven's armies has sworn this oath. It will happen as I've planned. It will be as I have decided. That God's plan for your life is gonna happen and nobody can dethrone him except you. Over the summer, as I was really struggling and having a hard time, uh, there was one night that I just couldn't sleep. I'm gonna give you your purse back. In the first service, that lady was scared. There was a lady, she was sitting right here. I took her purse and she was like, I don't know you. And so she was scared. Over the summer, uh, as I was having a hard time, I was up at night, stressing out internally. Have you ever had a fight with somebody and they're not even in the room? I'm like laying in bed, it's three o'clock, I'm like, I'm gonna say this, and then they're gonna say that, and then I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna be like, uh, uh, uh. Then I'm gonna make a YouTube video and I'm gonna boost it out to the whole city. I'm gonna crush these people. I'm gonna run for the mayor, right? So it's like, all of these thoughts, all uh, angry and bitter in my heart. And I'm laying in bed, my poor wife is laying next to me. She's just trying to sleep, you know? And she, she reaches over her hand and she puts her hand on my eyes and she starts to sing. And neither me or Rachel are great at singing, so I'm gonna do my best. But she says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Listen. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. I'm all over the keys this morning. In light of his... Glory and grace. She's singing the song over me and I start crying in the bed and she's crying and God, he says, trusting, you're off the throne, but you still don't get it yet. Because what I was doing is I was off the throne, but I was obsessed with what he was doing and when. He said, you're like an obnoxious fan in a tennis match. I pray and I talk to God and then I, what's he doing about it? Has he done it yet? Hurry up, God. Have you figured the thing out? Then Rachel sang me that song and and this is is why I came here today. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his glory and grace. And then the things of this world, the stresses of this world, they'll start to grow strangely dim when you look full into his glory, his power, and his grace, his love for you. And so church, I came to Lufkin to help you just learn the right posture. We spend so much time looking at the wrong things trying to be powerful. But if we could just really sit at the feet of God and say, hey, God, I trust you with whatever you're doing back here, would have a lot less stress and would get to a better destination that he has for us. I don't know what he's doing at Moore Church with a building. I don't know. We need a building. We need something. But do you know what? For the first time, I'm off the throne. For the first time, I'm not in control, and he's gonna figure it out. And I can't wait to come back and tell you what he does. Today, I'd love to pray for you, because I feel like the Lord put this message on my heart because there's some of you that are finding yourself in the same position. So if you would close your eyes, with, bow your heads with me. God, thank you for your word that it reminds us that you are in control, that you are a powerful God, that all we need to do is be still and declare that you're Lord. So Father, I pray for every marriage represented and every business represented. Lord, give them peace. For that person that's been praying for that promotion and just doesn't know when it's gonna come, Lord, give them peace. Let them know that they just need to follow your next right step, not their plan, Your plan, Lord, for every family, be with them. I ask that you help the men to get off the throne of power, that we would not have that warped psychology any longer, thinking that we're the ones that will pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we're gonna get it done, but we would realize that we are just soldiers of the general, that we are just students of the teacher. Help us, Father, to submit ourselves to you. Lord, for the ladies in the room that have experienced some hurt and some pain, that have overwhelming odds against them, Lord, let them know that you are a good father who desires to give good gifts. Help them to trust you again, Lord. You know, maybe you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I'm not even in a right relationship with Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you're not even sure if you're right with God, can I tell you, he loves you more than you can even imagine. And all he wants is to be in right relationship with you. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But all we have to do is confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that He's Lord and we're gonna be made new. On the count of three, I want you to join probably the dozen or so people in the first service that asked Jesus in their heart today. Today can be your day of salvation. On the count of three, I'd ask that you would just raise your hand up and look up at me. I'm not gonna make you stand up or embarrass you or nothing. It's just a prayer from your heart to God's heart, saying, today, God, I wanna be new and made clean. If that's you, raise your hand up on the count of three. One, two, three. If that's you, all over the room, I see you right here in the front. I see you on the sides. In the back, I see y'all. A couple giving their life to Jesus. I see you, sir. Yep, all over I see you, ma'am. I see you. And if I don't see you, guess what? God does. Yes, ma'am, I see All All over the room, I see y'all. I'm so proud of you. Heaven is celebrating and cheering the decision you're making. Church, would you pray out loud with me with our friends that are asking Jesus in their heart today? Everyone pray this. Dear God, come on, church. Dear God, forgive me my sin and come into my heart and make me new. I'm off the throne. And from this day forward, I'm gonna live for you. And because of your love, I believe my best days, my best days are still ahead of me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, give a shout for our friends that accepted Jesus today.